Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, this morning that we can come around your word, the word of the living God, and you reveal us yourself to us through your word. We know that, Lord, we need you. We need to hear from you. We need this living word. We need this life. We need the impartation, the partakers of your divine nature that we might experience this power in our lives, that we will live and walk in the Spirit and live the life of overcoming and be a vessel of honor and glory and praise unto you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We come to worship you this morning, Lord. We thank you, Lord, because you deserve all the honor and the glory. The head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. It says in Hebrews 1, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things, how? By the word of his power. When he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath an inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Praise God. Jesus is speaking to us the church, because he is the great high priest of the church. He is, as Moses, Paul says, was over that house, so Christ is over this house. He says, whose house we are. And, you know, we used to sing a song years ago, which used to say, the gathering of the people is unto him. And what we've got to do is realize that when we come with this in our private devotion, we are coming unto him. He wants to minister to you. Thank God for every earthly ministry. Thank God for everyone that helps us to progress in our earthly life of faith. But really, there has to come a point in your time, in your spiritual life, where you are actually entering into the very presence of God. And you are actually entering into that place where Jesus becomes your minister. This has to happen in your life, otherwise you're never going to grow. You're going to stay a pygmy all your life. (laughs) And, you know, Jesus is into fruitfulness. Jesus is into growth. Jesus, God's plan is expansion, growth, development. And he wants you to develop as a believer, so these little things in life don't get at you. You live above it. You live a life of faith, which John the Apostle says, this is the victory 
that overcometh the world, even our faith. God's given you a special kind of faith. It's the God kind of faith, and it overcomes everything. And so we're called to live this life of faith. You know, when you get to my age and you think, I've got to go to Peterborough this week, you think your body says, oh, do you want to go to Peterborough? (laughs) (laughs) And you say, I walk by faith and not by sight. (laughs) And that's the way you've got to live. And sometimes it feels like you're going to walk on water. But the good news with Jesus, you can walk on water. (laughs) Because everything hardens up underfoot. (laughs) It just becomes solid. (laughs) It's wonderful, isn't it, what Jesus can do in your life. He's just a wonderful person. And, And, you know, we were talking about how Jesus said in that John 17 prayer about his earthly ministry and walk. He said, I have finished this work, didn't he? And then he went to the cross, and in John's gospel, he cried, it is finished. But he finished that work. But Jesus has got another work now that is continuous, that the Hebrew epistle says that he is our great high priest. As Moses was over that house, Christ is over our house. And thank God for every earthly ministry. You know, I was brought into a denomination where the pastor was a little God, you know. And it can get like that, you know. And I remember I got to Henry's meetings, I got into this, and I suddenly realized that I had access to heaven itself. I didn't have to go through a man. Because I've been given a man (laughs) who is the glorified man, (laughs) isn't it? Who's been here and been through all this stuff I'm going through in you. And he says to you, I overcame. And if you become my disciple and listen to me, you will become an overcomer like I was an overcomer. (laughs) Isn't that right? So that we can enter into this fellowship I'm called to a life in the Spirit. You know, some people preach two-tier Christianity, which is carnal Christianity and spiritual Christianity. But in such a thing, there's no such thing. No, 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 no. No. And you know, you get this sort of teaching, God loves you just as you are, you little stinker. No, he doesn't love stinkers. He wants you to live a spiritual life. He wants you to be clean. Amen. <laughs> Doesn't he? He does. <laughs> you expect me to, to shave this morning and come here dressed and clean. If I stood here all looking shaggy, you think, what's the matter with him, you know? <laughs> no, we've got to be ready to meet the king. Haven't we? Oh, yeah. And there's got to come a, a mentality in us as individuals, in whatever fellowship we're in. You've got to prepare to meet the king. Haven't you? You've got to say, I'm going to meet the king. Isn't it? This is something I've got to get into our mentality. Or as the old writers, uh, Bonner, 
in his exposition of Leviticus, says the old writer is quoting a 1500 book or something, you can't get it today, he said they used to talk about coming to meet the great inhabitant of the house. Is there anybody greater than Jesus? No. And somehow we've got to get this. You know, it's like we think, well, why did Jesus and who he is and who he is was then and who he is now could say to a woman with five husbands living with another bloke, you know, you've got to worship Father God in the spirit. Why didn't he say it to some very educated, why didn't he say that to Nicodemus? But he said it to somebody that was seeking him. This woman was seeking him. And you know, he's come to seek and to save that which is lost. Isn't it wonderful what Jesus has done? What Jesus is doing. And what Jesus can do for you now. If we can just get an understanding of his present day ministry. Jesus has finished that work in his positive ministry on earth at the cross passively, but now he's ascended. He's glorified. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father and he's waiting for his people to acknowledge him and worship him. Isn't it wonderful? So the gathering of us today is to worship him. We look at Jesus and we realize that he can give and minister to you exactly what you need. And this is the point. We've got to get hold of this, haven't we? You know, when Paul is explaining the gospel in the Roman epistle, and I suppose for every believer, if he's serious about his Christian faith, he's got to get to grips with Romans. I think every Bible study, every... One, if we're gathering together, you've got to crack Romans. You've got to get hold of it. Because this is what the old saints called redemption from God's point of view. Paul had this tremendous revelation. You see, what, Paul, what happened to Paul is he got access to the heavenlies. And he's saying to you and me, and he. You've got access to the heavenlies. You can enter in. You know, Henry was always talking about entering in, and we never quite, you know, a lot of people didn't quite get what he was on about. But that's what he was on about. Enter into the Spirit. Enter in. Take your place. Arise and sit. The Ephesian epistle, of course. But you can't get to the Ephesian epistle until you've got hold of the Roman epistle. <laughs> you've got to get your foundation right before you can take off. Isn't it? You've got to get what, what Christ has laid at the foundation. He's the chief cornerstone. And the building, Paul says, is upon him. Isn't it? And we're all lively stones, Peter says, built up to make a spiritual house where we offer up spiritual blessings. You know, I was reading this old preacher and he said, if you want effective evangelism, You've got to have a sanctified church. That's true. You know what Henry used to say? A faithful witness delivers souls. Get the lamb, get the sheep right, he said, and the lambs will come. And that's the problem. 
That's why Jesus says, I sanctified myself. Jesus followed the, the plan of redemption in his earthly walk. He laid aside his glory. Think about how Jesus laid aside his glory. In Gethsemane, he could have called legions of angels. Couldn't he? He had that power, but he laid it aside and became the Lamb of God for you and for me. I tell you, when you get hold of this, you will fall in love with Jesus. You will. Because that's what he did for you. When you get a hold of this, nothing down here will bother you. The little things that irritate you will not irritate you anymore. Because he went through Gethsemane, the trial, the whipping, the, 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 the nails, or the, whatever the spikes were for you and me, and he conquered it all. Isn't it wonderful? The vindication of God. This is God's vindication against sin and death and hell. You know, Romans 3, 25, it says, it's the Acropolis of the faith. This Romans 3. Just read this because... This is important. We have to understand. I mean, Romans is a big book. We'd be here all day talking about Romans. but um, And this is the famous verse. Romans 3.20, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that is a difficulty for a lot of people. They can't get hold of this. They don't. And there's a lot of people in the church. That, I remember my son went and did uh, an RE degree in one of the... Welsh universities, and he came out. Oh, I don't believe in that verse anymore, he said. They brainwashed him. But he does know. He does know. <laughs> Thank God. And he, says, and he says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, and then this big statement, whom God hath set forth. God the Father set forth his Son for you and me. Think about it. To be a propitiation through faith in his blood. And to do what? Declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare at this time his righteousness. Adam had done something illegal, didn't he? He put the deeds, he given the deeds to Satan. Satan, Paul says, is the God of this world. When people come and ask you, why is the world in such a state? Because this world is in the hands of Satan. He's the God of this world. Look at the devastation he's doing. But there, Jesus is brought in another kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, which is the kingdom of God. And when you get born of God, you get translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You're now in a different kingdom. You've got a different king. Thank God. We're now not Adam's seed. We're Christ's seed. We've been transported. We've been translated. We've been born. We've been regenerated. We've been quickened. Haven't we? Isn't it wonderful what God has done for us? 
But you know, the enemy wants to block that out of your mind. You see, if you don't get the foundation right, when the enemy comes against you, Jesus says, if you built your house on religious sand, the storm will wash you away. But if you've got the truth, if you've got the Roman epistle inside you, if you understand what Paul is saying here in Romans, oh, I tell you, it's tremendous truth. He says, um, and that we might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. Well, I've been justified. <laughs> and this is much more than forgiveness of sins. The gospel is not just forgiveness of sin. We've got to get past this sin business. We've got to get over into the spiritual realm and realize we've been declared righteous. We've been made... In the, we've been made in the image of God. We've been recreated. We are a new creation. Made in the image of God now. The image of Adam that fell and cracked and was marred and taken down. It's a new creation. We belong to a new heaven. There's a new heaven coming. Some people think you're going to repair the temple in Jerusalem. Sorry, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Oh no, Jesus finished with all that stuff and nonsense. It's all gone. Yeah. It's coming down, the city foursquare. Yeah. We're getting ready to enter that city. We're pilgrims. Marching to Zion, aren't we? That's what we're doing. We're marching to Zion. And this is the vindication of God. This redemption is legal. It's signed and sealed with the blood of Jesus. Think about it. It's signed and sealed with the blood of Jesus. It's forensic. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing is legal. So when the enemy attacks you, he's, and you're born, and you belong to under the blood, that's why the scripture says in, the, in, in Re Revelation 12, we overcome wow, the word of our testimony. And what? The blood of the Lamb, the power of the blood. It still speaks. He has no right over you. Don't let him in your body. Get him out in the name of Jesus. Plead the blood and get him out. He has no right. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You've got to make a stand and fight with the... Do you know the word of God, if you can put it in your mouth, is quick and powerful. The sword of the Spirit in your mouth will destroy his work in your life. Yes, he will tempt you, but you use the word against him. You raise the shield of faith. You wield the sword of the Spirit, and he flees in terror. Why? Because we have got weapons, Paul said. They're not carnal, but they're pulling down the strongholds of Satan that come against the church. We can pray for this country. We can pray for our Prime Minister. We can bind the works of the enemy that try to destroy this country. We can say this is going to be a Christian country. We can say this is going to, we need to gather together in our private time and lift our hands to the Most High God. Do you know if God can get one man or one woman truly sanctified, truly separated to his service, one man can change a nation? Just one woman. I think of the history book, the history of revivals. I remember a little woman 
called Woodward Etta. Only a tiny little woman that had children, all sorts of problems she had also. But she had the power of God. And that's what we need. We need, as that old preacher said, sanctification brings effective evangelism. Yes. If Jesus had to sanctify himself, I'm going to have to do it. Yes. Romans 2, 7, 1 says, cleanse yourself. God is not going to do that. You're going to have to do it. It's God that worketh in you, but you have to work it out. We have to work it out. Don't get too busy with all this. Get your spiritual service working and it'll work. Oh, I tell you, it's a wonderful thing. This, uh, this, these verses I read to you, somebody said, is the Acropolis of the Christian faith. It's a way of salvation that is not legalistic. It's not, a, it's not law, like so much is preached in different places. It is the free way, which is in Christ. God has ransomed us in Christ. How did he take place? Through two things. The ransoming of us. Propitiation, number one. And secondly, blood. The blood of Christ. Jesus was made to be a propitiation. He not only took our sin, he took the wrath of God against sin. What does Romans 1 say? Somebody quoted it last night, it says, For there... I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes the Jew first to do. For therein, that's repeat again, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live. And then what is this statement? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness who hold the truth in righteousness. Jesus had to be a propitiation. He took the wrath. And that's when his visage became marred more than any man. He didn't look like a man. The wrath of God descended on him. And he didn't look like a man. He's not all those wounds, all that blood, all that distorted image, all that broken body. And they bound it up. And they put it with six weight, stone weight of embalming in the tomb. No wonder... The two on the road to Emmaus said, but we thought. They saw it, but now Jesus is walking with them. This is the power of justice. God's vindication for man's sin, God's justice was fulfilled in the person of his son. You don't tell me that Satan has any right over you. Your ransom price has been paid in full. Absolutely paid in full. He has no right upon your property. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You keep it clean, you keep it holy, and God will put his fire in you. It's the Holy Ghost and fire. It's fire. Yes. yes, it is. You start worshipping. You start lifting your hands up. You start contacting that realm and the spirit, and something happens. Poof. There's a download. <laughs> you get quickened. 
You don't get stiffened, you get quickened. (laughs) Yes, it's wonderful. We got to keep in contact with the living God. Oh, yeah. Don't wander off somewhere. (laughs) Keep in fellowship. Keep in fellowship. Isn't it wonderful? The two big things, redemption was purchased in this way, comes through the working of faith. The two important terms, Jesus was set forth, made plain and manifest. He wasn't killed in private, it was public, wasn't it? The authorities of the day, the Roman Empire, Herod's court, it was public. Absolutely public. And the centurion said, surely this was the Son of God. Everything went black at midday. The rocks rent. People in their tombs were walking about. Think about it. This is Jesus. (laughs) What power Jesus has. The grave could not hold him. Hallelujah. We've been raised. He was delivered up for our offenses, but he was raised for our justification. Think about the power of Jesus. When the enemy comes to you with thoughts, you cast them down. You plead the blood. You, wash, you keep the blood in your life. You keep cleansed by the washing of the word. You keep in this place of the spiritual realm. Because this is what it says, the famous psalm, doesn't it? What does the famous psalm say? You know the psalm. He that dwelleth in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of what? The Almighty. (laughs) Woo! It's wonderful, isn't it? What a wonderful person Jesus is. He shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely you deliver me from the snare of the fowler. He will keep me. What a wonderful thing. He shall cover me with His feathers, and under His wings I shall trust. No, we have to understand what Jesus did was a perfect redemption. To declare his righteousness, evident token to prove and to accomplish, God might ransom by giving his son as a propitiatory sacrifice. This is God's equity, his judicial righteousness, his essential moral holiness, declaring at the cross his own essential holiness and righteousness. The remission or the pre-termission of sins. Pre-termission is a Roman legal term that Paul uses. It's someone that's left out or passed over or overlooked or disregarded and is done so intentionally. And that's what Jesus did. Abraham believed in the promised seed, didn't he? And there were people, and Jesus passed over that until the cross, and he paid in price the full of ransoming those people. He made just men perfect, didn't he? He made just men perfect. And I was thinking, Lord, help me. 
to be the person you want me to be. Get a vision of who, you, who Jesus is. Dwell upon that. And then you'll see yourself in Christ. And then you'll lift yourself up to sit with him. And then you see things very, very differently. Your vision changes. It changes, isn't it? A revelation of the risen, glorified Christ. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. You know, people argue about this, that, and the other. As if you, right, there's seven different views of Revelation. Do you know that? And I think hardly one of them is true. <laughs> Maybe the seventh might be near the facts. But the fact of the matter is, it's about Jesus. Isn't it? It's about Jesus Christ and his glorifying. He's on the throne and he reigns. And you're going to sit up there and you're supposed to reign with him. Aren't we? We're supposed to reign with him. Romans 5. 21, is it? Uh, and I was thinking, Lord, help us. Help us, the church. Get your eyes up. Look up. Look at Jesus. Don't be a navel gazer, as we say. I think I feel something here. And I feel something here. And have I got something here? No, 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 no. It's not about you and your feelings. It's about Jesus. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> you know, traffic jams used to really irritate me at one time. <laughs> but now I'm beginning to praise the Lord. I say, Lord, maybe I'm in this traffic jam because maybe if I'd gone the other way, I might have hit something. Maybe you're protecting me. I don't know. Isn't that right? <laughs> you just got to keep praising the Lord. We've got to believe that all things work together for good to them that call God. Well, I got delayed, but Eric got delayed as well because he had a big thing in his tire, so it all worked for good. We all arrived at the same time. (laughs) It's a question of who you honor, isn't it? Who do you honor in your life? Is it Jesus? Are you self-centered or are you Christ-centered? It's a problem with self-centered people because when Jesus talks about the golden rule in the Sermon on the Mount, they chuck that out the window. Well, I don't, I don't want the golden rule because I want to be treat. I don't want to be, treat other people as as same as I want myself treated, and that causes problems in the church. That causes division. Yeah, it does cause problems. We need to understand who we are. Oh, I tell you, it's a wonderful thing. And so Jesus, in this prayer in John 17, prayed for himself. He prayed for his disciples. But he prayed for us. He prayed for us. That's what he did. He prayed for us. He says, I have given them the word Verse 14, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but thou should keep them from the evil. They are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me to the world, even so I have sent them to the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified 
through the truth. The entrance of this word gives you light, revelation. And it's progressive. This revelation gets bigger. It gets bigger. And you begin to see things that you couldn't see before. You're dealing with the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. They tell us the universe is expanding all the time. And when we're dealing with God, we're dealing with something big. You know, when we talk about in Matthew 25, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. He says about that he gave to them as he should, five, two, and one, didn't he? Do you know what upset him, Jesus, about the one? He didn't make anything. He wasn't fruitful. He didn't expand. He didn't grow. Jesus is the grow. You know, when I go into my garden, my trees get leaves, new leaves every year. Don't you? My marigolds increase. We got one marigold from the gallery, brought it home, and we got marigolds everywhere. They just... That's expansion. And Jesus wants to fill your whole life. He wants to fill your whole life. And he not only meet your needs at the same time, he'll meet your wants. He will. I don't know what you need or what you want, but he'll give, it, give you what you want. He will. What does the 23rd Psalm say? He'll give you your wants, won't he? But he's just serving him. Isn't it? It's learning to serve Jesus. Isn't it a privilege to serve Jesus? I, you know, I don't look for any help from man. My help comes from the Lord. Isn't it? My help comes from the Lord. What did Abraham get a revelation on that Mount Moriah when he took Isaac up there? What was the revelation he got? Jehovah Jireh. Wow. Jehovah Jireh. And this is the revelation going to come to us as his people. He will supply every need you have according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I, I tell you what, we're dealing with somebody who's so powerful and so wonderful. I just want you to turn now to, to Hebrews chapter 1. And we read a bit of this at the beginning. And this is what um, the Apostle Paul says about Jesus. In verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him of whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of the suffering, of their salvation perfect through suffering. And then this statement, for both he that sanctifieth and they who are being sanctified are all of one, for which cause he's not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name to my brethren in the midst of the church, I will sing praise unto thee, and again I will put my trust in him, and behold, I am the tool which God hath given me, 
For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who fear of death or all a lifetime subject to bondage. For he, he very took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. And this is the point. Wherefore, in all things, it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be what? A merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in, him, in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted in your temptation. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of your confession, Jesus Christ, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as Moses was faithful in all his house. He talks about every house is built by someone. Moses was faithful in his house. As a servant of the testimony of those things which are spoken about Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, and this is the statement, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. The Christian faith is a great believing with the heart and confessing with the mouth. That's how you are saved. When you're facing something in your life, whatever that need is, you can be sure there's a word in this book that God will give you and you believe it and you speak it against whatever the enemy is bringing against you. And Jesus says if you have faith and you speak to it, it will move. But most people, the mountain speaks to them instead of them speaking to the mountain, whatever that mountain is. This is faith. See, if Jesus has purchased your redemption, he has. If he's ransomed you, if he's paid the price in full, you have every right to use what you've been given in Christ against the enemy of your soul. And this is the point, isn't it? And then Paul goes on in this Hebrew epistle about take ye brethren, that there be in any of you, as I said yesterday, and I quoted you what the great Gurnell said about unbelief, if there be in any of you, and this is the point, an evil heart of unbelief. Now you know whether unbelief is getting at you, because if you don't, if you're not willing to say it, It means that you have not using your faith to say it because you feel that if you say something, will it work? But this is the test of your faith, isn't it? You see, it's like I said to you yesterday about when they were in the boat, Jesus said to them, where is your faith? 
Jesus is looking for faith. And it says in Romans 14, actually, at the end of Romans, Paul says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Think about that statement. That's a big statement. That's difficult, isn't it? So unbelief is something we've got to deal with. Because you look at your situation and you think, is it possible that God could change that? But the Lord is beginning to show me, is all things are possible to him that believeth. Isn't it? But how do you hear this word? This is the important thing, isn't it? You have to enter in. Don't you? You getting what I'm saying? Do you know what the old saints say about true prayer? There's no true prayer outside the holiest. Think about that. You've got to get into and keep in the presence of God. Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Isn't it? This This is the challenge for us. And this is what the Hebrew epistle really is all about. He's talking about these people that got saved and signs and wonders and they got all wealthy overnight, won the lottery, they all came out with silver and gold, didn't they? And they were rejoicing with the timbrel. And then they met a bit of trouble. Eleven-day journey turned into a 40-year nightmare. No. Do you know, Joyce Meyer says, there's such a breed, she says, as wilderness Christians. And she's right. <laughs> I'm not supposed to live in a wilderness. Neither are you. You're supposed to cross through your wilderness and get into Canaan and enter in. That's what Henry was all about. Enter in, he used to say. You've got to activate your faith. You might come in a meeting and feel this and feel that. Oh, I've got this problem. And I had a phone call yesterday and it wasn't very good. And I think, thank you, Lord. I cast the whole thing on you. How is it you can have 12 men, leaders, and 10 of them got an evil report, and two of them have got a good report? (laughs) Looking at the same thing. (laughs) Depends what glasses you wear, isn't it? (laughs) One said the giants will kill us, and the other said we'll eat them giants. (laughs) No, it's all to do with... You know, it's like a chap said to you, he went on an African safari, you know, with these big elephants. Uh, no, he was in a Land Rover, actually, a big, these big Land Rovers, you know. And he had this chap with him who was a zoologist, and he was a professor, and he knew all about elephants, all about lions, all about giraffes, and all about hyenas. And he could tell him all about these things, but they were traveling through there, and they never saw one elephant. Not one lion, not one. And he was telling all about it. So he said to the, well, where are they? And, and there was a Zulu bloke sitting in the front, you know. And he said, hey, master, I see, I, I have, I am, you know, in this African accent. And he said, I sense there's some elephants over there. <laughs> see, he had, he had something working in him. He didn't have it all up here. <laughs> 
but he had it in here. And he told them where the elephants were. Well, you know, the Spirit of God is to you, that's where the elephants are. (laughs) Isn't it? You know, we can have a lot of up here, but we need it in here. So what does meditation do? He takes it from here, and he puts it in here. And then you chew it, and it goes round inside you, and eventually you think, yes, I get it. I see that. And before, it was just a mental thing, but now it becomes a reality. And that's what needs to happen, isn't it, in our lives. We need to get a reality of this. And he goes on in this epistle, and he says... um, and you can't read all this for the sake of time. And then he goes on and he says, um, in this epistle in Hebrews, he said, Wherefore, holy brethren, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. That's who you've got to consider. It's Jesus, your high priest. And then he goes on in here. Um, hang on, put my glasses on. Oh, yes. And he goes on in chapter 6 at the end. Etc., etc. It says in verse 19, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that, what? Within the veil whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So what had Jesus done? He's entered into that heavenly realm for us after the order of Melchizedek. And then he talks about this Melchizedek and he says, this Melchizedek, king of peace of the Most High, met Abraham returning from the slaughter, of whom Abraham gave a tenth part. And he says, this is king of righteousness, king of Salem, king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days, but made like the Son of God, abide of the priesthood, etc., etc., etc. And then he goes on and talks about this priesthood. And he said, and so what Paul is driving at here, these Jews have had all this earthly priesthood that have been replaced by the priest, Jesus. Isn't it? He's getting it. And and we've got the same sort of mentality in the church. You know, I'm a layman and it's just me and I've got this priest and I'd have to go to him. No, 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 no. He's there to help you. You have access by faith, right behind the veil. We've got to get hold of this. Uh, because if you're not, if, as this one old saint said, we have to enter in to pray, to, to hear what God wants to say to us. This is the point I'm trying to get to you. He goes on to say, after the order of Melchizedek, and what is this? What he's saying here is this Melchizedek priesthood is eternal. He doesn't die like a priest and get a new one. And that shows you what the faith of Abraham did. 
he saw ahead of time. His faith saw Christ. And he had a, a, a theophany, as they call it. This was Jesus appearing to him and blessing him and bringing forth bread and wine. Think about it. What faith does, it doesn't know time because faith believes what God has said and everything that God has said is in eternity. It's not in time. You get this, can you? You know, Thomas Boston, a great revivalist in about 1600 or something, wrote a book that changed my thinking. You know, I, I was thinking all sorts of young Christians. I didn't quite get the fall of Adam. I didn't quite understand how I fell with him. Do you understand that when Adam fell, you fell? Now, a lot of people don't get this. You will never understand the Roman epistle until you understand Romans 5. As I was in Adam, now I am in Christ. Isn't it? And if, if Abraham's faith could see down the centuries, my faith can see Christ. Surely after the cross, with all the revelation of scriptures I've got and you've got, if he could do it on walking with God, which he did, he didn't have anything. He, he had knowledge of the truth. Genesis 3.15, one scripture, and he believed it, and it worked. You don't need a lot of scripture. You need to get hold of the truth, and the truth will sanctify you. It will separate you, and when it comes to you, it works. It changes your whole thinking, and you begin to walk. And you say, I can see God. I've got access into the heavenlies. I've got access to Mount Zion. I can, I can hear God, and God is speaking to me, and I can use this word, this word of faith, this creative word in my life, and it will create what I don't have. It's miracle-working faith. It's transforming. It's wonderful. You've got to believe it, you've got to, but you've got to hear God. If faith comes by hearing, it's this hearing problem is the problem. So be patient. Enter in. Sometimes I sit down and I just meditate. I just pray and pray and pray the word. Just meditate it and meditate it and walk around and just think about it. And then suddenly something happens. Suddenly there comes an understanding of truth. You see, we don't get it all. It's precept upon precept. Line upon line. God is dealing with you. He's teaching you. He wants you to grow. He wants you to develop. So you get big and strong in the spirit. So that you're able to handle it. Abraham didn't get to, to, to Moriah overnight. It took him 25 years. No, it took him 38 or 40 years. I think it's 40 years to Moriah. They reckon that Isaac was probably 17. I don't know. He was a big lad. These things have got to come into your understanding so you get solid on the rock. You become immovable. You don't get moved about because Christ, you, be, you begin to realize Christ in you. He's walking in you. He's living in you. He's, and this is the whole problem. See, and it, this is, it goes on in, the, in this Hebrew epistle and he talks about these things, and he gets over into, into Hebrews 10, 
And he says this in verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness. See, when you believe that you've been forgiven, justified, you're being sanctified, and you're in a process of glorification, you understand what Jesus has done for you, you get bold. You say, thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm a new person. I've got access. I am, he says, a boldness to what? Enter the holiest. How? By the blood of Jesus. The blo- How important is the blood? How important is the blood? By a new and a living way, which is consecrated before us, through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. That's what you're doing when you start praying. You're drawing near. You're entering into the presence of God. It's wonderful. When you can get in that presence, that is the place to be, he says, with a true heart, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience. What is that? That's the blood of Jesus. And your body's washed with the pure water. That's the word of God. And you hold fast the profession of your faith without wavering. Hallelujah. Hold fast to it. No matter what it looks like, keep praising God. Keep thanking God. Get some scriptures and speak them out. Read the Psalms. Read the prayers. And you've been, something will happen. There'll be an ignition. There'll be a firing. Something will happen in your spirit and suddenly you're in the presence of Almighty God behind the veil. We sing a song, within the veil. Within the veil. Do you know every meeting that we gather together, we should get in the behind with the presence of God. It's not important who we are, who anybody is. We're here to meet Jesus. He's the great inhabitant of the house. We should press into the presence of God. Don't let anything break that presence. We've got to learn to do it when we gather together in our meetings. Because when that glory comes, the glory of God will heal your body. It will restore your mind. The power of God is where the glory of God is. And where the glory of God is, every need that you've got is met like that. But what a job we got with the church. (laughs) What a job we've got with ourselves. Don't you come with a program to God. We're supposed to have his program for the meeting. We're supposed to do what he wants. And when he comes, I tell you what, when Jesus starts walking around, my God, you can feel something. You can feel something. I remember the Lord visited us where we were down there. I thought I was going into water, and it was coming deeper and deeper, this water. And eventually the water was so heavy, I just collapsed, and it was flowing over me. Do you know there are waters to swim in? There are rivers (laughs) of living water. We're supposed to enter in 
we've got to come to this new and living way. He says, he says, and he talks about different things in here, and then he says, cast not away your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And then he says, now the just shall live by faith. We live by faith. We live by faith. And I want to encourage you, when you go home, just get in a book with a nook. Thomas Kempis said, just get away from everybody. Just get with the book and start worshipping Jesus. Just start fellowshipping with him and entering in. And when you come to the meeting, come prepared. That seems to be a problem, doesn't it? That is a problem. But somehow, we've got to get our mindset changed. It's not for the privileged few here to speak. If you can get a word from God, and God tells you to give it, that's what you should give. You know, I sing to Tony, you know, sometimes God's talking to me and dealing with me. And I said to Tony, well, I can't tell other people what he's dealing, me, dealing with me about. That's my private business. <laughs> but I can say what the Word of God says. <laughs> and we're all in the process. We're in a process of being separated from all this unto him. Aren't we? It's all about being in the presence of God. Jesus is the way into the presence of God. (laughs) Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This new and living way is a way that is separate separate from all the world, as I told you before, and it's been built at great expense. The blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus is paid for this new and living way. And we got on, we, we're the only people that can go on this new and living way, the sanctified, the justified. We can travel on this new and living way and enter into the presence of God. I tell you what, it's time for you to take your place. <laughs> Isn't it? You can take, do you know you've got a place? You, you've got a seat in those heavenly places? You have? Will you take your seat? You know, David had a seat at Saul's table, didn't he? Because he slew Goliath. It didn't last long, though, did it? He was jealous of him. <laughs> the javelin was coming out. <laughs> he had to wait patiently, David, didn't he? 13 years, he waited. And then he had his own table. <laughs> didn't he? And that's the same for us. Never get jealous of anybody. Don't do it. You'll end up like Saul, dying on Mount Gilboa somewhere. <laughs> oh, thank God for every gifting. Praise God, I say. Let them all flourish. Let them all flourish. 
Let everybody grow. Let everybody develop. Let us all minister. Let us all prophesy, as he said. You know, preaching is prophesying. You know, they, these people today said that just the Lord and all this stuff, you know, well, you know, it's all right to a point. <laughs> I know it says despise not prophesying, but I've seen some funny prophecies. <laughs> I've seen some funny ones. <laughs> Go to Brazil, and they shouldn't have gone to Brazil. All he came back with was nuts. No, (laughs) no, you have to believe that when you get up in the presence of God, if God's called you to do something, he'll fill your mouth. (laughs) Oh yes, it comes from heaven. It's not me, it's him, (laughs) isn't it? It is. The anointing, it flows and it, it dispenses, it disperses, it brings out the word. And then Paul says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What a wonderful thing God's faith is. It's the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. I tell you, all these men in Hebrews 11, all these people, And then it says in Hebrews 12, seeing we are compassed about with all these men and women of faith, they're saying to you, Lena, go for it. (laughs) And they're saying to you, Tom, go for it. We've been through it. Abraham says, I've been through it. And I won. Elijah was, who was on the Mount of Transfiguration? Elijah and Moses. Their faith got them in the rapture before the rapture. Didn't it? Didn't it? Enoch was the first one to get raptured. But we're going too one day. Where? We're going. Are you going? We're going soon. We're going soon. (laughs) Let us lay aside what? Every weight. Every sin that does so easily beset us. Let us run the race with patience set before looking what? Unto Jesus, the author and developer of our faith, who what? Did for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is where? Set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. (laughs) It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Hallelujah. Praise God. Just read you another scripture and then we'll be done. Praise the Lord. This is what it says in the Ephesian epistle. Verse 2. Even, verse 5, even when we were dead in sins, He has quickened us together with Christ, by grace you're saved, and has what? Raised us up together and made us sit together 
in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in the kindness of Jesus Christ towards through Jesus Christ. For by grace you are saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, and we are his workmanship. Isn't it wonderful? Are you a new creation today? Are you born of God? As we said yesterday, the greatest definition of a Christian is a person who possesses eternal life. The life of God is working in you. He renew your youth. You strengthen your body. He'll heal your organs. He'll all your joints. So that everything will start working again. Yeah, believe it. Go for it. Ask big. Ask big. Come on, you can do it. Ask big. Don't go by how you feel. The just live by faith. Don't they? The just live by faith. This is what we've got to do. We've got to believe it. Don't, as the scripture says, um, don't let any these weights and sins get at you. Don't. Put them aside and choose to walk with God. Isn't it wonderful? You know, Joseph was tested, wasn't he? We're all tested. We've all been through this stuff. Every one of us. As I said before, in my youth I've met a few Potiphar's wives. We've all met a few. These, these and them. Don't we? My husband's on nights tonight. Why don't you come and see me? Oh, wow. Do you want your fingers burnt? Yeah. Oh, the devil knows how to tickle his dangles in front of you? No, you do not give in. You listen to the Spirit. Isn't it? Isn't that right? Can you walk by faith? Can you do it? Why? Because if you've got the Holy Spirit, you can. If you haven't got the Holy Spirit, you need the Holy Spirit. The disciples weren't much use before Pentecost. <laughs> and we need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so we do what Ephesians 5 says. Speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. <laughs> Hallelujah. So praise the Lord. We give him the glory. We give him the praise. We give him the honor because he is worthy. He is worthy. Hallelujah. We give you praise, Lord, for this tremendous victory you won. Hallelujah. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, who has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Oh, glory. Glory, glory, glory. We give you praise, Lord. Thank you for your people. Touch your people. Bless your people. May they grow big and strong. <laughs> grow big and strong. Come on, you can grow. You can develop. And the more you feed your faith and the more you feed your inner man, the stronger you get. This food, faith food, is supernatural food. It feeds the inner man. It gets stronger. It gets stronger. You can get stronger. You say, you don't know how I feel. No, don't go by what you feel. The just live 
by faith. If you haven't got enough faith, get some faith food. Get it in here. Ask, Holy, say, Holy Spirit, feed me. <laughs> and it comes in. You'll be like that um, olive, is it? With the spinach. <laughs> oh, Popeye, not olive. Eat the spinach. <laughs> and suddenly your muscles... <laughs> yeah. This is... This is, is you know, it's, it's quite miraculous, isn't it? Isn't it? Samson with a jawbone of an ass. How many people did he kill? Philistines, did he? Yeah. Moses wielded a rod over the Red Sea and it just went... <laughs> Well, it, you know, you know, God wants to use you, but you've got to be sanctified. Amen. Yeah. If Jesus had to do it, I'll have to do it. Jesus is on my case anyway. I don't know if he's on your case. I think he's on your case. I think he's telling you a few things this morning. A few things. No, don't get him out of the cage and have a go at him and put him back in. No, get rid of the cage and him, whoever it is. <laughs> no, praise the Lord. We give you glory. Let's just read, a, 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 I, I want to encourage you to read this prayer when you go home. I was reading a, a man of God before he came away and he read these two prayers, Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3, and he said it completely revolutionized his pastorate. And these prayers can change your life. This is what we pray. Let's pray this prayer together. That the, in Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the world to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So keep filled. Keep filled. <laughs> Keep the word coming. Keep filled. And you'll get experience the fullness. Isn't that right? Yes. You can do it. Are you going to march in the army of the Lord? Are you going to put on your armor and start rejoicing and keep praising God? And when somebody irritates you, duck. <laughs> 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 
Don't take it one ear and out the other. As our sister said last night, forgive those people. I've had a big problem with that. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, how 30 years ago, you can lie in bed, and the enemy said, do you think what that person said to you 30 years ago? I said, devil, I'm not listening to you. I'm a new person. <laughs> Don't listen to him. Hallelujah. We'll come back tonight, and we'll really take off, enter the heavenlies, and get touched by the power of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I just say this over you. The blessing of God. And then we'll... I think Luke is coming to give you some instructions about something. This is what it says. Let's say it together. Um, If I can find... Oh, no, I'm in the wrong book. Hang on. I'm in the wrong book. Here we are. The Lord bless thee and keep thee The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Hallelujah.